Office Hours Live is brought to you by Arroya, the ultimate cultivation platform. Unlock the power of crop steering through our state-of-the-art sensors and software. Repeat successful runs and scale faster than ever before. Schedule a demo today at Arroya.io. Welcome to Arroya Office Hours Live. My name is Keisha. I'll be your moderator for today's discussion. A couple of reminders before we get started. This hour is your chance to hear from the experts, get answers in real time about data you're seeing with your grow, and share cultivation tips and tricks with other growers in this exciting industry. We thank everybody in advance for not using this time for things like airing policy or industry grievances or asking about Arroyo pricing, although please do book a demo. We'd love to work with you. Feel free to type your questions in the chat at any time. If your question is selected, we'll have you unmute yourself and ask away. Plus, as a special treat, we're sending an Arroyo hat to anyone who asks a question for the first time during today's live session. We're limiting that to U.S. residents only, and we want to send that one hat per household. So if you already got a hat, thank you for letting somebody else get one. Seth, my friend, happy Thursday. Hey, Keisha, happy Thursday. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's just me and you today. Yeah. I'm going to start asking some questions that we got from Instagram. You ready for the first one? Sure, let's go for it. When crop steering, is the idea to match DLI from the last day of the 18 over 6 vegetative photo period to the DLA of day one of the 12 out of 12 generative photo period? Or are you trying to match PPFD? Please tell me you know what all of that means. <laughs> yeah, of course. We're actually trying to match DLI because we're, DLI gives us the total amount of photons that that plant is receiving, you know, in a given area during the daytime. Basically, we want to match, you know, the same number of photons coming from veg into flower. So going about that becomes like, all right, we have PPFD times seconds that the lights are on, and that gives us DLI. So using that equation, we just factor in 12 hours versus 18 hours, and we can get our adjusted PPFD. So, you know, the goal is we want to harden those plants off to light as much as possible in veg so that we're not spending time in flower production time building the plan up to be able to take advantage of that higher light environment. So if we can hit the ground running, that's the goal. Give them, you know, get them hardened off, get as much chloroplast made, as much chlorophyll built up as possible. And, you know, remember that the reason we have to harden these plants off to light is because we are cloning them in a low light environment. When you throw a feed or not a feed, a seed out into the field, there we go. The sun doesn't dim down when that thing sprouts. It's just used to full blast from day one, so it's adapting to it throughout its whole life rather than us trying to get it up to speed with this artificial environment. Yeah, getting that, dialing it all in, so important. Okay, so question two from Twisted Pistol. When crop steering, are you increasing VPD as a generative tactic as well as osmotic stress in the beginning of the flowering period, or is increasing VPD only reserved for later in flower? So early on in flower, we are pre-low VPD. Um, part of that is because the plant can tolerate it and we want to slowly increase transpiration in the plant as it gets bigger. And it has the possibility to, or to transpire more. Later on in flower, getting our VPD high is very important because if we go too low on our VPD, aka too high in humidity, we're going to run into you know, issues with botrytis, mold, uh, all of those undesirable things we don't want to deal with. And unfortunately, part of that is later in flower, uh, really avoiding those conditions that could cause things like that to grow. So part of it's for plant health or for plant growth. And then the other part of it's for plant health. Let's put it that way. 
Awesome. Great. Um, and just a reminder, attendees, if you have any questions about crop steering, sensors, data that you're seeing with your grow, we want to hear from you. So please do type a question in the chat so we can hear from Seth. All right, my friend, I have another question here. Um, all right. This one comes from Chicken Arnold, and he brought up some interesting terms that I had never heard before. So I had to look them up. All right. Does e unevencation, which I looked up, means positive ions, slash anion, which is negative ions, ratio, determine nutrient balance or pH stability? Um, well, our pH stability is directly related on that cation to anion balance in our runoff or in the soil or in the nutrient solution in the substrate. So, you know, pH is a negative log of our positive hydrogen ions. So as the plant uses up more of those cations or negatively charged ions, the concentration of positively charged ions goes up, resulting in a lower pH. And that's one way, you know, testing runoff that we can tell if the plant's actually giving, you know, taking in the nutrients that we want to give it. We should be seeing a downward trend in pH, not drastically, but slightly, because the plant's taking up predominantly cations. Most of the nutrients we feed it are negatively charged. Thank you for correcting my pronunciation. I thought it was cations. Yeah, it's a, if you haven't, you know, done you know a lot of ionic chemistry or plant studies specifically, it's not a not a popular word. That's why we have the expert Seth on here, ladies and gentlemen, and you know, not me <laughs> answering the questions. All right, we have Chris on with us today. Chris, you had a question. You want to unmute yourself? Tell us where you're from. We are out of Kingston, Oklahoma. Welcome, Oklahoma. Go ahead and ask your question. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I use a recirculating system, and I'm trying to figure out how one goes about crop steering with, with such a system. It, it, everything I'm seeing these these presentations, guys are doing drain to waste, and that's not me, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to go about doing it. Um, I do use, you know, Rockwell Medium. I use the Big Mamas, which are 8-inch cubes, uh, bigger than the Hugos. Mm -hmm. And feed, feeding the rock, well, to me, is what it all kind of comes down to. And that's that's where I'm starting to get really uh, conflicted, figuring out, you know, y'all talk about not getting any runoff. And it's just like there, there's no way with a recirculating system that I'm not going to have runoff. But my runoff is what's going right back in. So, right. you know, I'm, I'm trying so, to figure out, you know, is there, you know, what I have in my reservoir. It, it should be what's in my cube or right. maybe not. I don't know. That, that's where I'm, I'm trying to get some things cleared up and, and trying to figure out mm -hmm. how to, to go about the crop steering. I feel like my, my whole career, I've, I've been pushing my plants really hard vegetatively um, <laughs> based on the way I feed. And, and now I'm seeing the, the importance of, of getting dry back when, when the time is best for them. Mm -hmm. Um, so in trying to learn how to do that, I'm, I'm, I guess I, I can't get past step one, which is how the hell am I going to do it with a recirculating system? Gotcha. So are you, uh, are you running flood and drain or a drip system with your research? No, I feed on the top. So I got, okay. uh, you know, caps on top of my eight inch cube that diffuse the mm -hmm. water, uh, those floor flex caps and, yep. uh, feed from top and, Drains out the bottom, goes into the res, and that's where it's just a continuous circle from there. Right. So there's a few ways to look at manipulating uh, EC in the root zone. 
So where you're going for with the recirculating is trying to keep your root zone pretty similar to your feed EC, right? You're constantly flushing everything through the block. Um, unfortunately, unless you want to constantly adjust that pH, or not pH, but your EC in the reservoir to compensate for everything the plant's pulling out, mm -hmm. um, it's going to be really hard to crop steer there because what we're really going for in our, you know, generally the crop steering strategies that we promote focus on feeding at a lower EC, you know, say that two to three range, and then using runoff to control the EC in the media. So more runoff, we're washing EC out the bottom of the pot, less runoff or no runoff, we're getting it to build up. So with a system that relies on that recirculation, um, it's probably not gonna be very efficient or easy to crop steer. However, being that you already have a pretty great irrigation system built, it wouldn't be easy to turn over to running, say a 3.0 and starting to get used to modulating your root zone EC via controlling runoff. Right, and, and what I wonder about, so, you know, let's say on a Tuesday, I, I basically go fresh newts and I'm sitting at a, you know, mid, mid twos EC. And then as the next three days go by, I, I come in on Friday and the EC in my reservoir is say, you know, upper threes might even be pushing four and it's time for a top up. I basically top up. And, and then that kind of more or less gets that EC back down, but then through transpiration and everything else, it's, you know, my EC is going up in right. my res, which surely is the same thing in the cubes, right? Uh, yes and no. It's really tough to say unless you have a sensor in there because using leachate or runoff to really judge that's pretty tough because you're trying to look, you know, you're using a charged solution and trying to figure out after you ran it through this media, well, what, what was not in the media, what got pulled out by the plant, but you're doing that with, you know, a solution that's already a solution. We're not doing it with like deionized water and pulling out just what's in the block. So it's hard to get a lot of meaningful uh, insights out of runoff. Um, like I said, fortunately for you, you've got a lot of freedom now that you've built this incredibly nice irrigation system, it sounds like. So without, I mean, do you have any kind, do you use the Solus or any kind of root zone EC monitoring equipment? Uh, nope. I've been good old bro science for shit down near 30 years. Um, gotcha. And yeah. And legal, you know, for years, about three years ago and, okay. and with that, you know, becomes, Hey, I can actually go learn something and put some science to this. And that, that's what got me into awesome. you know, y'all stuff with the crop steering and, and, and I'm sitting there like, okay, you know, best I can tell, you know, I've been I've been crop steering. I just I just hadn't been going both ways. I've been going one way with it. I mean, I grow humongous plants, right? And, and my thinking is, okay, I'm probably not finishing them as good as I can because I I don't really change the feeding in, in such that I'm going to actually be getting drybacks. You know, I always just right. fed three, four times a day, pretty much mm -hmm. scattered throughout the day. And, and for 15 minutes, you know, I water my cube to where the, mm. the first thing I heard is, you know, as soon as you start watering rock wool and you get in the runoff, you're, you're flushing that you're flushing it. And to me, it's like, well, I don't, you know, for me, I don't think I am because I'm just putting back the runoff right back into it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And, you know, when you're pushing a lot of runoff, like, yes, you are flushing, but, you know, kind of, kind of like when people first started getting into cocoa and some of the science was uh, you can't overwater cocoa and perlite mix, mix a little higher EC and just maintain that in the root zone with frequent waterings, which like what you're doing is basically that, right? You're maintaining your EC based on what you've got in the res and frequent watering. So you're not letting it stack up quite as much. So. Right. And then, and then, and then my EC is going up as days go on because mm-hmm. the, the plant's pulling the water out and it's making the EC go up. It, it's almost like the, when you, when you guys talk about it with the drained waste, how you're building that EC and you're layering mm-hmm. those feedings on top of each other to do that. It, it's almost like mine's, my reservoir is almost like y'all's cube. You know, it's it's like my EC is going up in the res because there's water coming out at a faster rate than the newts, which surely is the same thing happening in the cube. And and that is the goal, right? You're trying to get the EC higher than the root zone EC, right? We want we want your root zone EC to be higher than your feed EC, and that's the whole point of using less runoff to modulate that EC. Part of right. the idea, and is then the, the the steering aspect, the, the generative steering, is you're you're making that plant think that it's not going to get the water, and and therefore start focusing on reproduction, but you're doing that from the difference in EC in the root zone and the by by the higher EC in the in the cube, right? Or I'm misunderstanding that. The the generative cue actually has to do with the space between irrigations. So higher EC does put more water stress on by making it harder for the plant to uptake water. Mm-hmm. But what we're looking for in that generative cue is to actually have, let's say, a one to two hour irrigation window and then a 22 to 23 hour dryback. In vegetative steering, when we're there, we're giving it those small shots all day. That's like throwing an air stone into your deep water culture tank. Right. You're oxygenating those roots and telling the plant to grow, grow, grow. Like when we're doing that, the plant thinks it's raining and sunny at the same time somehow. And then, and then in general, you're, you're obviously starting out vegetatively. And then at some point you give it a cue to say, Hey, wait a minute here, let's work on some flowers. But then are you taking it back once the flowers set? You're saying, hey, let's grow those flowers real, real big. Or are you still technically in that generative stage? Or are you flipping back to vegetative? So at times, yeah, depending on the strain, especially we'll go back to a vegetative or bulking phase mid-cycle and then switch back to a generative ripening phase for the last couple of weeks. So two weeks is, is the general time frame for that plant to actually receive that cue and do something with it. Uh, I mean, your plants will respond faster than you would think to those cues. That's why it's important to, you know, be consistent and not mix up your cues one way or the other. You know, you're going to go generative for a while at the beginning, you know, in early flower while your plant's stretching. You don't want to switch to vegetative for a few days and then switch back to generative and vice versa. You want to finish out that generative phase, go to your bulking phase for a few weeks, and then go to your ripening phase for your final two to three weeks. So, so ripening is about a two to three weeker. Um, yep. And it, and it, honestly, all of these crop steering techniques are very strain specific. I've right. done some strains before where we were never able to hit bulking because uh, they started hitting the lights or went above it. Yeah. You know, all we could do is run it generatively. You run that one 10 times and go, man, I can't get this thing under control. 
I'm going to look for some better genetics, <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, you got to work with what works in your facility too, to be profitable. Right. And what's what to me gets even crazier is the fact that a lot of times you might think it's the genetic, but it, in all reality, it's no, it's the way you're, you're growing. It. I mean, it's the way you're feeding it. Probably. I mean, yep. if you can grow a monster plant just by giving it water all day and, and versus another guy who, who thinks, no, we don't want to give it water all day. You know, he might have a shorter plant and he thinks that it's a shitty genetic where the next guy's like, I got these monsters and it's the exact same strain. You know I mean? How can it be? Absolutely. And that's just why you need, you know, I mean, data logging helps so much. It gives us that 24 seven insight to actually see all the differences between those two situations and start to make those choices. If you're just, I mean, especially the, the cyclical nature of farming, you know, once you're like, I'm sure you, you know, 50, 60 crops deep, say on some strains, particularly like if you've grown mm -hmm. the same strain 50 times, I'm trying to remember, like you remember when it did weird stuff, but you won't ever remember what day. Exactly. You know, if you didn't write right, it. Right. You'll kind of know. And it's pretty fascinating. I mean, the fact that the plant responds to such nuances, um, it's something just, you know, as simple as the watering cycle of it. I guess in an ideal world, I'd, I would switch to a, a drain to waste type setup, but that's just not the way my facility's set. So I'm sitting there saying, okay, you know, I know I can crop steer. I just got to figure it out based on my watering and that's where hearing guys do little 10 second shots this is like you know for one i can't even feed for less than a minute you know i have to go get different timers and such um mm. but i mean uh, i did start experimenting and i went from 15 minute feedings to one minute feedings and at the end of the day i saw a lot smaller plants and i was losing yield and it's like you know mm -hmm. okay you know it's got to be how much we're watering this plant and um it's the, the longer feeding seemed to work much better uh than than when i was cutting them all down you know one or two minute long instead of 15 minute long and it it just it really got me to thinking that okay you know, the way my system is, is when I feed that cube for 15 minutes, I'm, I'm bringing a ton of oxygen in there and I'm not flushing out all my newts because it's a recirculating system. And surely it's getting me up to saturation point. It's not actually drying out my cube, is it? Um, it no, but it, as far as veg cues go, you would have been better off giving it 15 one minute shots and ratcheting it up because that's 15 more air pushes. A steady stream doesn't push in as many bubbles as stream, stop, stream, stop, stream, stop, stream, stop. Right. So you, you feel like I'd be better off for 15 minutes over an hour feeding for one minute uh, as opposed to once an hour for 15 minutes. Absolutely. But it all depends. Honestly, I wouldn't try to make any major recommendations without being able to see some data that's right. going on in your root zone. Right. That's yeah, honestly to make those choices. That's the biggest thing you're you're missing in the equation here. Is a little bit of that root zone data, so you can say, okay, I think this is what's going on. Now I've confirmed it, or figure out well what's going on otherwise. Right, right. All right, man. Well, I sure appreciate your time on that. Yeah, thanks, man. I don't get to talk to too many people doing research, so appreciate to hear uh, your side of it. Well, we'll definitely keep you posted. 
Cool. Yeah, Chris, keep us posted. I, I love hearing, we love hearing from growers and really speaking to their specific experiences. Every place is not, you know, the same. All growers don't do things the same way. And so um, it's just been really cool for me to just hear about, you know, what you're doing and what's working for you and what you're, what you're trying. And we love that. Thank you so much for that question. And be sure to stick around because uh, I'm going to, I want to get your info so we can send you an Arroyo hat. Well, great. It's awesome to have the, the form. I mean, the, First time I came across Austin, it's just like, man, I hadn't been able to talk to anyone with anywhere near your knowledge. So that's very, very nice to have. And this this legal world we live in is crazy, right? I mean, it used to be, you know, we never talked about this kind of stuff. And now yeah. we go and find people that have a wealth of knowledge. But I appreciate it. Thanks again. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a wild, it's exciting time, right, Seth? Yep. Thanks, man. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, I'm going to move on to our next Instagram question. And, you know, we, we had a couple of folks recently join us in the last few minutes. Remember, we want to answer your questions live. So feel free to post in the chat if you have anything you want to ask Seth. Um, I've got a couple of questions about some sensor readings. We love data around here. Matrix Underground wants to know, if my sensor is reading 79% when fully saturated, do I just make the corrections of 21%? Um, I'm assuming you're talking about as in corrections, like talking about your dryback or um, if you're still in here, could you possibly clarify about correction? They um, submitted it through Instagram. So, right. They did okay. not clarify. Right. That's okay. So is like, if you're looking at 79%, like, let's say we just uh, hydrated some rock wool. That's what we got up to. If we're looking for a 21% dryback, instead of looking at like 21% of that 79%, we're looking at a 21% reduction in volumetric water content. So 79 down to 58 would be what we're looking for if you call it 21%. Nice. All right. Okay. We got another write-in from someone. We got a couple emails this week. That gets me excited too. Um, Max Murder came up, uh, came to us with this question. I'm in 1.3 gallons gallon pots of canna cocoa feeding 2.6 to 3.0 EC, 5.8 to 6.0 pH. I measure the runoff daily for percentages and adjust feeds to stay in vegergen steering. I also measure the EC and pH of the runoff at the same time. Can you explain what's going, what's going on with my runoff pH slowly dropping? It's normally low fives, but has gotten as low as 4.8. Hmm. So that can point to a few things. Um, obviously, at a certain point, that plant's really hungry. I would be looking at possibly, uh, I mean, part of it, like what, you know, how far into the cycle are you? Are you hitting bulking and your plants are really chomping through your EC? Um, the other thing to look at is like your plants themselves. How do they look? Are we seeing some deficiencies? And then the final thing is what is your root zone EC actually? Because if you're only judging that from runoff, you're not seeing the full picture. You're getting the lowest point of your EC in the daytime, whereas like your plant might be pushing a super high EC that you're not seeing. And the actual ions that are left behind in that media are going to dictate that lower EC. So we really need to see a little more data to figure out exactly what's going on. Okay, great. Um, I've got another question here from Instagram. This is from Northeast Labs. And just for everyone who's on with us, let us know what questions you have. We want to talk to you about your data. They want to know how long should I stay in veg steering after the gen stretch? Um, again, that's quite strain dependent, typically two to four weeks. Um, 
you, you know, like I said, your results may vary. If you've got a strain that really likes to start stretching again or attempt to stretch or it gets kind of some loose bud structure or more leafy growth, you're going to want to push it less vegetatively or less length of time vegetatively. Excellent. Um, we got Shark Mass Farms on with us today. Shark Mass, you have a question. In your opinion, what is the largest impacting factor in optimizing our osmotic potential in order to maximize our peak EC at each stage? Well, to be honest, modulating your e or modulating your runoff in, in order to be able to control that EC precisely and avoiding big swings. And when I say that, like let's say we're looking for a range of four to eight or four to eleven or five to eleven EC that's the exact range we want to stay in when i say four to eleven we're looking not for like say a five and a half average or seven and a half average that's the distance we want to see in that swing when we go really far outside of that we are going outside of our normal constraints of osmotic stress and adding additional stress to the plant while that plant's growing it's building up sugar in its roots in order to still pull in water and nutrients from from the environment surrounding it so I mean, the plant can't adjust the amount of sugar in those root cells as quickly as you and I can adjust the feed EC in the medium. So finding that range where the plant is happy and then being consistent with it is uh, probably the biggest fact, two biggest factors in being able to uh, maximize our peak EC at each stage or take you know, the most advantage of the EC we have in the block. Shark Mouse Farms, uh Put us a little note in the chat. Let us know if you got your question answered. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Let us know if you have any other questions. Um, okay. So, Seth, I got a couple questions this week from Instagram. Um, someone asked about, do I need to be a licensed facility for the data logger? Someone else asked, uh, when is Arroyo arriving in the United Kingdom? So it seemed like maybe our community could use like an overview of, you know, who we support with Arroyo, who are you know, given a general idea of our clients are, what markets they serve. Can you kind of give us an overview of that today? Yeah. So, I mean, the primary reason that we are only in licensed facilities at the moment is we use in the U.S., it's not the FAA, but basically the radio frequency we use is business class. So we can't legally sell it to home applications or anyone that doesn't have a business license even. Like it can be difficult depending on the situation to even get in with some, you know, medical home growers. And that's the only reason is uh, FCC. There we go. FCC radio rules. So one thing we are working on is changing that frequency and bringing, you know, Arroyo more to the unlicensed or home growers, I guess uh, the nicest way you could put that. And it's this, the exact same reason that we're not in the UK and the rest of Europe yet, is we are working on changing that frequency to match their laws over there. So it's, uh, it's not that we don't want to, <laughs> it's that we uh, focused on one thing in the beginning and now we're putting our resources towards expanding those hardware capabilities. Awesome. That's a great, I'm glad we got those questions because we do feel those every once in a while. We will always love our home growers, but we got to follow some rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but I'll just say something kind of like Solus Pro is coming. <laughs> oh, there, there's, there's some cool products coming down the line. They're just, uh, it all takes time. This has evolved into such a big platform that, you know, I've only been with Aurora for a year and it's grown immensely. Like I couldn't have even imagined some of the directions we're going with it, which is mm. pretty cool. 
That is cool. It's exciting. And actually, I think this is like the third week in a row, dropping some little teasers about what's coming down the pipeline. That's why you got to, right, office hours is, is where it's at. Yeah. So we're going to get inside line. That's it. Okay. So I got another one for you, Seth. This was kind of a, this is my own question. I actually was at an industry event yesterday and came across two growers familiar with Arroyo. One was really excited about it. The other was less so. The one who was less excited was like, a computer can't tell me how to grow weed. And I was like, I wonder what Seth would say to something like that. So now's my chance to ask. So yeah, how would you respond if you'd heard something like that? You know what? Uh, There's still always going to be the human factor. You know, there's there's certainly a huge skill in being able to look at that graph and then determine, okay, you know, you've got to have the mechanical skills to operate your HVAC system or pay someone to solve that. I mean, you either have to know how to fix all these problems or make these adjustments or pay someone who does. And that's certainly a reality. But um, at the end of the day, using a computer or science is going to allow you to optimize your efficiency in the situation. So like, yes, you can do absolutely great by feel, no doubt. But are you going to be able to repeat that the same way? Are you going to be able to optimize it? You know, this would be like saying, can I crop steer by hand watering? And the answer is kind of, but probably not as precisely precisely as you could with technology. Yeah. Yeah. In my opinion, I think, you know, the people that aren't excited about it, one of the main things they're worried about is, uh, and maybe this is consciously or subconsciously for some of them, but now we're quantifying and evaluating every part about it. That that thing you did that was your special sauce, you know, like I used to think irrigating six to eight times a day was pretty special, like six, seven years ago. I was like, wow, my weed grows super fast compared to my buddies in these big pots watering every other day. But in reality, now that I have, you know, data logging equipment, I can actually be way more efficient about it. But at the time, I was like, yeah, that's super cool. Like, you know, I made this observation. It seems to be reliable. It works. But now I can take that to the next level using tools like Arroyo. So let's talk about that a little bit more in detail. Like, um, you know, in general, let's touch on what is crop steering and then does Arroyo help enable cultivators to do it? Uh, Crop steering is just the manipulation of your environment and irrigation in order to optimize plant growth or steer it in a direction we want. So basically, by applying different types of stress, we can directly impact plant morphology. And by, you know, doing it over and over and recording the results, we can predictably impact plant morphology. So the idea is, you know, we're applying specific irrigation strategies that end up producing both osmotic stress and in extreme cases, drought stress within the plant and also applying in vegetative steering, you know, minimal stress and giving the plant everything it needs plus some in the form of all those little oxygen pulses to continue growing. So crop steering is basically just strategic use of your facility and resources to produce the results you want. People have been doing it since they figured out how to prune grapes. You know, it's it's not new. We've just put new words on it. And again, Arroyo is helping people really, really dial it in and repeat those results. That's the key, really, is, you know, building a recipe that you can repeat. Getting that consistency, which mm-hmm. our pa- the patients and customers want. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important for your business. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, for any producer, you want to be able to have uh, a basically guaranteed amount of product 
that you can sell every month or every other month or whatever your interval is, you want that to be the same or increasing. If you if you're locked in on square footage, you don't want, you know, unless you're planning on getting some crazy premium for a strain that does not yield well for you, you always want to maximize that. That's the nature of business, I think. Yep. Keep on growing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I actually have asked all of the questions submitted so far. Maybe our attendees in this last couple minutes here, if you have any questions that uh, for Seth that we can touch on, we'd love to hear from you. But, you know, until that happens, Seth, you excited for 420? What are you doing? Yeah. Well, actually, what, what day is 420 next week? Next Wednesday? Well, I'll be in Portland visiting some weed farms, so something fun. Well, I'm glad I brought it up and everybody else is on with us. Happy almost 420. Our next broadcast will be after 420, but I don't know. It's certainly on my mind. It's my favorite time of year. (laughs) For sure. Awesome. Well, I think think maybe that's it. Um, I just saw one pop up in the in-call messages. Oh, yeah. There's some of the biggest features of kiosk. Um, Yes. What are some of the biggest features? I'll start with that and I'll get back to you, Chris. Uh, Basically, kiosk is an awesome way to have that tablet mounted somewhere in your facility and to have a gauge view of that room. So instead of staring at graphs, you can go look at some quick averages, get an idea and move on with your day and also go check, you know, the tasks associated with that room or log in and view your tasks. But for me, the biggest feature is the at a glance look hey, this is simplified. I don't have to make sure and check that I'm in the right room looking at the graph. Nope, this kiosk lives here. It's displaying this room data. There we go. Um, And also allowing people to not, you know, employees to still access their tasks without getting their own phone all sticky. That's probably huge as well. Um, As far as Oklahoma goes, Chris, um, I have not personally been down there uh, for this job yet. But uh, we'll we'll get down there. We have quite a few customers in Oklahoma, and we're always looking for more. In fact, we're working on uh, metric integration in Oklahoma as well. And uh, sorry, we got one more here from Shark Mouse. Um, He wants to know, I'd like to get your thoughts on UV inputs since the peer-reviewed data is so conflicted. Um, You know, I think UV could be important. We could be missing out on something there. But at the same time, for years of growing under HPS and LEDs that aren't UV supplemented, uh, the herb still turns out great. So I think, unfortunately, I have to agree with you, the peer-reviewed data is pretty conflicted at the moment with people finding some, some significance and others finding no significance. And, you know, for, for all we know right now, it could be kind of like uh, there's an argument, you know, about a decade ago with molybdenum and nickel as essential plant elements. And, depending on what varieties of the same plants they tested it on, <laughs> they got different results. So pe- in that specific case, there was a lot of research. And in the end, it was like, well, some need it, some don't. So I, that's kind of how I feel about UV. It's awesome if you can afford it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. Shark Mass Farms, great question. Thank you so much. Things are just changing so fast, right? Like constantly. Um, oh, yeah. Seeing your comment here about metric. <laughs> Everybody's favorite topic, but it has to be done. <laughs> Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. That's what we say about metric around here. Um, amazing. Yeah, no, Seth, it looks like Chris is ready to host you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't been to Lake Texoma in about 25 years. So, you know, maybe it's time to go back down there. Who knows? <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, this has been a great show. I think those are all the questions we have for today. Seth, we held it down. I don't I hope yeah, you're we, we made great. it through. I was scared without Jason, but <laughs> in the UK, it worked out. <laughs> We're two peas in the pod, just talking about cannabis. It's so exciting to have all you folks on with us today. Chris, just want to point out for you personally, please stick around for just a few more minutes so I can get your contact info. Um, but thank you all so much for joining us for this week's uh, session of Arroyo Office Hours Live. If you have any questions about Arroyo, how it can be used to improve your cultivation production process, or any other topic you would like for us to cover in a future Office Hours episode, please let us know by sending us a message in the chat shoot us an email at support.arroya at metergroup.com or send us a DM over Instagram. We want to hear from you. We record every session. Everybody who's on today will receive an email link, a uh, link to the video by email rather. Um, and then we'll also put the video on our Arroya YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, and share while you're there. And if you find these conversations helpful, please feel free to share with your network and spread the word. We'll look forward to seeing you all next time. Thank you all so much. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Keisha. Office Hours Live is brought to you by Arroya, the ultimate cultivation platform. Unlock the power of crop steering through our state-of-the-art sensors and software. Repeat successful runs and scale faster than ever before. Schedule a demo today at arroya.io.